0: Well, good morning, church. And happy Easter. Woohoo! Okay, let me, that was pathetic. But anyway, he has risen. Yes. I was actually looking for he has risen indeed, but that's okay. You're all right. Not everybody gets that. Hey, uh, you guys look beautiful today. Yes, I tied it myself. All right? Just answer that right off the bat. Hey, uh, we're going to jump right into our message today as we want to just celebrate Easter, celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And, uh, uh, you know, I kind of feel like Solomon back over in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 10. Uh, Over there he says that, you know, the preacher was trying so hard to come up with a message that would, would... Just uh, astound those who are listening, because at Easter that's what you expect, right? the 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 sermon is going to be awesome, and uh, you're going to be blown away, and it's going to you're going to walk out of here just amazed is what you hope for. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So I've worked on this first statement. Um, I've worked very hard on this, and I really think that it will blow you away. Really, I think that if you will let it sink in, if you'll think about it, it could change your life. Matter of fact, I, I believe it's so impacting. I, I think it could have such an impact on your life that I think you'll probably think, how did this guy get so smart? <laughs> it's okay, I understand, I understand. Um, so let me, just, let me just get it out there right now. Okay, ready? Okay. You are here. Yep. We're going to take an invitation right now. Lines for the baptism. We'll start over. No. Uh, I know. Some of you are thinking, that was not deep. That was dumb. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but no, I want you to think about that. You are here. Think about, think about this. Think about where you were two hours ago before you came here to the seat that you're in. Maybe, maybe some of you are still asleep. Uh, maybe you were drinking coffee, uh, th- sitting at the table thinking about the day, you know, think, just thinking through things. Maybe uh, you uh, just think about from there, from where it took. You got dressed, you got ready, you, and then you probably got in a car. I doubt if anybody walked or rode their bike today. You probably got in a car and uh, drove here, probably made a right, left, left, right, you know, a few uh, turns here and there. Probably had to dodge a few potholes. Maybe, maybe you're on the way here and uh, uh, you you realize oh we're about out of gas we got to refuel so you you know pulled over and got some some gas so you could get here maybe it was an ordinary way you always take maybe uh it, your car you could just let it go itself because it drives this way all the time maybe this is your first time and you're just like where's this church at?" we're gonna figure GPS in. and you're following that what did it take for you to get here let's go a little bit further back where were you a year from now a year ago What was it? What has taken place to bring you here? I'm really not talking about your seat. I'm really not talking about this physical place that you're in right now, really. You are here, is your reality. This is your life. This is where you are in your life. All the choices you've made, all the all the decisions you've made, the things that you've done both and as well as the things done to you uh, have brought you here to where you are to your life. This is your life. And some of you think, well, I don't want this life. (laughs) This isn't the this isn't the life I planned for. This isn't what I wanted. If if he hadn't done that, if she hadn't done that, then I wouldn't be here right now. We, we love to look at people's social media, don't we? We love to go to their Facebook and see where they are and say, I wish I was there. <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> you're here. <laughs> this is your life. It's your marriage. It's your family. It's your kids. It's your parents. It's your health, your body, your job, your career, your money, your philosophy on life, your worldview. Everything in your life has culminated here where you are in life and sometimes we need to pause and we need to think about our here why am i here what's brought me here sometimes we have this thought of used to i was there, and it was good, and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened, this happened. Now I'm here, and it's not so good. Or maybe it's the opposite. I used, used to, I was here, and man, that was terrible. That was a hard time. But then this happened, this happened, and this happened, and now I'm here, and it's good. I found God, and God is good, and life is good, and I'm here. But you're here. I think... John, let's shift into the sermon time here John, the Apostle John I think he had an I am here moment Revelation chapter 1 is where we're going to be at today Not your typical Easter text But you'll, you'll get it here in a minute Revelation chapter 1 What happens is, a little backstory here John, the Apostle John There at the late part of the first century Is in a time when, when Christians were under extreme persecution Much like today And he, being a great leader in the church, matter of fact, the leader of the Ephesian church, would be probably at the top of the list of one of the guys that the Romans want to get. And so their plan is, we're going to take John, and we're going to boil him alive in a big pot of oil until he dies. And so they get him, they throw him in, and it's boiling, but he doesn't die. Matter of fact, the story said that he just kept preaching in the pot. (laughs) I love that. And so they took him from there and thought, well, let's poison him to death. And so they made him drink poison. And there's one little detail Jesus told the disciples over in Mark 16. He says, you're going to drink poison, and it's not going to kill you. And it didn't. John didn't die. So the authorities said, well, now let's just banish him to the island of Patmos. Now, this was not a resort island, all-inclusive. The uh, island of Patmos, the name Patmos itself means my killing. (laughs) That sounds inviting, doesn't it? It It was considered a sterile island. Hardly anything would grow there. And so they would send prisoners to this island to either work in the mines or starve to death or both. And that's where John finds himself, in a cave on a desert, sterile island of death. And I have to think that he had a moment, came to a time where he thought, why am I here? I mean, I was over here, and it was good. And now I'm here, and it's not so good. But it's in this time that Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in John's here, uh, in this cave, and in Revelation chapter 1, he begins to, to write about, tell us about what he experienced when Jesus showed up. And it begins there in the text that, that John starts to hear a, a noise, and, and something begins to happen behind him, and he turns and he sees Jesus. And look at verse 13. He begins to describe what he saw. It says this about Jesus. He was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. Now, he was not in a beauty pageant, people. He was royalty. All right, that's what this sash meant. I'm the king Verse 14, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of a rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword, the word of God. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. Jesus showed up. I'm telling you, he showed up. Not sure that he's ever showed up in our lives like he showed up with John here. But John begins to tell us about what he experienced. And my question is, what happens when Jesus shows up? What happens when Jesus shows up in our life? In in the midst of our here moments, I think we can look at John and see what he experienced and we can... We can see a little bit of what happens when Jesus shows up. And the first thing we see is in verse 17. And John says this, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. John could not help but to be humbled when he stood and took in the awesomeness of Jesus. Jesus. He could stand no longer. He fell on his face in humility. And I believe that's the first thing that happens in our lives whenever we see that Jesus shows up, that we are humbled in his presence. We just can't, we can't help, help but to be humbled in the presence of Almighty God in all his perfection. You see, here's, here's the thing about us. We love to play the comparison game, don't we? Kind of like I just talked about, go to Facebook and see if somebody else is here and wish we were there, you know. Well, there's other times that we go to other people's uh, lives, their Facebook, and we look at their here and we say, Well, I'm glad that's not my here. Man, I'm not as mean as that person. My sin's not as bad as that person. And we like to stroke our own egos by tearing down others. But what happens when we try to play that game with Jesus? <laughs> we lose. When we look at our unholiness and his holiness, when we look at our unrighteousness and his righteousness, when we look at our sin and his sinlessness, there's no comparison. We're just left humble. I believe that's one of the reasons why it is important for us to gather every week, to worship together, to be reminded of God, to to lift up our eyes to Him once again, just to be reminded it's not all about me. It's all about Him, and I'm humbled to come before Him. We need that. We need this time as His church, as His people, We are humbled in his presence, and that's what John experiences in this moment. But Jesus doesn't leave John on his face. (laughs) No. No, he lifts him up. Keep going in verse 17 there in Revelation 1. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. Jesus wanted to remove all fear and doubt that was coursing through John's body at this moment as he sits in this cave wondering, how did I get here? Jesus comes in and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm here. I think that's the second thing we see. When Jesus shows up, we are reassured by his reality that he is still here. He's not dead in a grave somewhere yet to be found. His bones will never be found. He is alive. He is real. And Jesus once again shows up to John and says, hey, I'm here. Look at what, he, look at what Jesus does for, for John there in verse 17. first thing that it says there is that he laid his right hand on me. We see this picture back in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, this idea of, of Jesus uh, laying his hand on somebody to bring comfort. Isn't it amazing what can be communicated through just a simple touch? And he touches John, puts his hand on him. And then his words are, Fear not. Don't be afraid. You know what? Like, this isn't the first time that John's heard Jesus say these words. We can go back to uh, a time whenever uh, the disciples were out in a boat and Jesus was in the boat with them and Jesus was asleep and a storm came up and the disciples, who most of which were fishermen, are scared to death because they think that they're going to drown in the storm. And they wake up Jesus, 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 Jesus. And he gets up and he says, Fear not. What? There was another time whenever uh, John and a couple of the other disciples were on top of a mountain with Jesus. And it's the transfiguration, if you remember that story. And, and Jesus' uh, earthly body that he had on it was being transfigured into this glorious heavenly body. And the disciples are going, What? What is this? What's happening in front of us? And Jesus looks at him and says, fear not. Don't be afraid. And so John hears these words again come out of Jesus' mouth. Don't be afraid. These words of comfort. Sometimes it's good to to hear those words, isn't it? Maybe you're here today and you need to hear those words. Maybe you're here where you are here. Your reality right now is a difficult time and you need to hear those words of, of Jesus. Fear not. I'm here. I'm here. He says, I am the the first and the last, the living one. There's only one person who can be described like that, and that's Jesus. I'm the first and the last. I was was before all things. Anything was created. I was already here, matter of fact. Everything was created for me, through me, by me. I'm after all things. I am the end. I'm beginning and end. That's me. And I am alive again. I'm still here. Remember John. Again, I think his point here is he's wanting to tell John, John, I'm here for you. In your cave, in your darkness, in your hurt, in your here, I am here to be with you. Those are in comforting words, aren't they? I'm here. You ever had a friend tell you that in the midst of a trial, in a, tr- in a struggle? Hey, I'm here for you. Just a few months ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go have lunch with a friend of mine. We were at a conference in Joplin together, and he was pretty insistent on it. He wanted to, to meet with me, and uh, again, he's a senior minister, and, and and just wanted to encourage me. And We kind of sh- uh, swapped uh, church stories. You know, I got to tell stories about all y'all and how mean you are. Um, just kidding, you're, you're awesome. Um, but we we're, were sharing stories and, and, and struggles and things that, that we deal with, and, and we got to the end, just a great time together, a conversation, and he just says, hey man, I just wanted you to know, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. He's in Indianapolis. What do you mean you're here for me? Oh, he's here. He texted me this week. Hey, I'm praying for you this week. Isn't it good to hear those words? I'm here. And those are the words I believe that Jesus is conveying to John in this moment. I'm here. I, I, I want to step into your here. I want to be here to, to help you move from here to there because It's difficult, and it's a challenge, and here's what we know. You can't fix yourself. If you could fix yourself, you would have done it already. If you could fix your own mess, you would have done it already. And Jesus wants to step in and say, hey, I'm here, and I want to walk with you through this. I want to take you from here to there. Keep on going in the text. Look at verse 18. Keep going. It says, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. I think Jesus is just reminding him of of the resurrection, the significance of the resurrection, and the victory that is in the resurrection. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Uh, It's not that John was doubting that, I don't think. John had seen the resurrected Jesus before. It wasn't uh, something he had to be convinced of, but it was good to be reminded of just how awesome, powerful Jesus is. That he is our resurrected Savior. He is alive forevermore. As he tells John there. Many in the world today struggle with that whole concept. Struggle with this idea of a resurrected Savior. A resurrected Jesus. And they come up with all kinds of stories and theories. Trying to explain it away. And and prove, prove that it's not true. They can't, first thing that they can't understand is just this idea of resurrection, this miracle, it just baffles their mind. And instead of, of trying to figure out, they just choose not to believe. And because they can't understand the resurrection, they also can't figure out anyone who does believe in the resurrection. And so for those of us who are believers in the resurrection of Jesus, they just write us off. They're nuts. <laughs> We're not nuts. Most of us, right? We didn't check our brains in at the door and said, blind faith, I believe anything that the preacher says from the stage. No, there is evidence. If, if a person, uh, anyone will give just uh, uh, time to, to investigate and look at the evidence they will find that there's truth. It's reasonable to believe in the resurrection. And so we invite anybody, skeptics, unbelievers, anyone to investigate. Look at the evidence. It wasn't something that was done under the cover of night and Hidden from everybody? No, there was there's evidence, and Jesus showed up, and uh, all kinds of people. The tomb is still empty. The bones still haven't been found. We still have the stories of the disciples that went from cowering in a in a little room to proclaiming Jesus all the way to their death. How do you explain that? Investigate. Come to your own conclusions. Jesus goes on there, and he says, I have the keys to death and Hades. Keys are important, all right? I locked my keys in, in one of our church vans in Mexico a couple weeks ago, a month ago about. I never told my wife about that. She knows now. <laughs> she locked her keys in her car this week in Bartlesville. Thank you, AAA, Jared Peterson, if you're here. Keys are important. Right? In that culture, a matter of fact, whenever people talked about keys, uh, it symbolized power and authority. Matter of fact, there was one God in that culture that uh, he was considered to have the keys to day and night. And so until he unlocked the door, the sun couldn't rise. And until he shut the door, it wouldn't go down. And so when Jesus says, I have the keys to death and Hades, he's saying, I have all authority. I have authority even over death itself. I have the keys. I can let people out. But I can also put people in. In judgment. And he's telling John, John, I know you feel like everything's falling apart, but I'm here and I have all the power needed. And I'm not done with you yet. And if you go on in the text, he gives John a mission of what he's going to do, and he wants John to, to record everything that he sees in this vision, and that we now have the book of Revelation that has changed lives, millions of lives for, for years, uh, for the past 2,000 years, because Jesus wasn't done with John. He took him from that cave, took him back to Ephesus, as the story goes, and continued to use John to build his church. Jesus stepped into John's here, said, I'm here, and I'm not done with you yet. And John was humbled, and he was reassured that Jesus is who he says that he was, and he still was within his plan. Maybe you kind of feel like John today. Maybe you feel like you're on, a, on an island Maybe you're hurting, maybe, maybe you're suffering, maybe your is a mess right now. Maybe there's some things in, in this message that you need to hear. I know every one of us have a here, and every one of us, even, a, even the followers of Jesus who come in today with great joy and, and wonder, we have a, a there to get to because we're all still growing in Christ, and in Jesus, we can move from here to there. And so here's the statement I want you to grab hold of today is because Jesus is alive, we can go from here to there. We can go from here to there. Whatever that is in your life, maybe for you it's, it's going from, from hopeless to hopeful, from joyless to joyful. Maybe it's going from death to life as you discover Christ and surrender to Him. But because He is alive, we can go from here to there. We can keep moving, we can keep growing as we continue to follow him. Jesus wants to step into our lives, I believe. I believe he wants to come into our here and he wants to change us. He wants to take us from here to there just like this guy named Val. Watch this.
1: I grew up in Las Vegas, which is not generally the best place for spiritual formation. Well, I just always was drawn to kind of dropouts, drug dealers, thugs, and just seemed to be where I fit. And So I went to college, kind of continued in that, did really well in school, probably getting drunk three or four nights a week, um, barely going to class, but because of the brain God gave me, I just was still able to do well in school, but the rest of my life was kind of a wreck. I got to college, not really understanding anything, and never really hearing the story of Jesus. Amazingly, I met this girl. I broke up with her. She really crashed hard, went back with her parents, and I think for the first time really met Jesus herself. I started medical school, and three weeks in, I, I run into her in a bar, and she wasn't drinking. Was the first thing I noticed, and I was like, "Why aren't you drinking?" And she said, "I'm a." I'm a Christian and I don't need to drink anymore." And it was the first time, I was 22 years old, and it was the first time I'd ever met anyone who said I'm a Christian. And so it was shocking to me, and I actually didn't even understand what it was. And I was like, what do you mean you're a Christian? And she said, you know, you're not gonna understand this stuff. Just come to this Bible study with me. And honestly, I didn't even know enough not to go. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'll go. I went to the Bible study, I sat down, and I don't remember what we talked about. I just remember for the first time, it was like I heard truth. And we get up at the end and they're gonna pray. The guy that was leading it looked at me and said, are you saved? And I, I, was, I looked at him and was like, what does that mean? <laughs> I never even heard that term. I didn't know what he was talking about. He said, well, that means you believe Jesus was the son of God, that he died for you, was raised on the third day, and that you asked him to come into your heart and take over your life. And so I just thought through the sequence of the things he said and was like, and I, and I honestly answered and said, well then no, I'm definitely not saved. <laughs> and he said, well, do you want to be? And just in my mind, I started to have all these images, just image after image of all the stuff I'd done wrong. The weight of it just stacked on me. And I started to feel guilty for the first time in my life. And I told him just honestly in that moment, I said, you know, if there really is a God, then there's a lot I need to get right before I can talk to him. And the girl next to him says, you know, Jesus tells you come as you are and he'll take care of all that junk. He just wants you to come. And for some reason, I just believed her. And. Um, And then I thought like, man, what am I gonna tell my parents? What am I gonna tell my brother? I was president of a fraternity this semester before, one of the biggest party guys you ever would have met. I didn't even know what was gonna happen. I didn't even actually know what was supposed to happen, but my heart was just like coming out of my chest. And I felt like I was at home for the first time. And so I told him, man, my mind is giving me a million reasons to say no right now, but my heart is just telling me that this is right. What I remember on the inside is I remember specifically calling out to Jesus. I remember his name and saying it and saying, Jesus, I'm sick of being in charge of my life and I don't care what you do with me or where you take me. Um, if you'll just come and save me, I surrender. It was that simple, I gave up my doubt and my fear and just genuinely believed, believed and I like genuinely reached out for him and he met me. I sat down next to my friend at medical school, and I was like, you won't believe who I met last night. And he's like, who? I was like, Jesus. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, look, I, yeah, I didn't know any Bible. I didn't know like anything about church history. I honestly thought I was getting in on something new. And I was like, look, I don't know what the deal is. There's this guy, Jesus. He's alive. He changed me. He forgave me. I'm free. And, you know, and he's like, what are you smoking? I'm like, no, not this time. You know? So I didn't know anything else. I said, just come to this Bible study with me. So he came the next week, prayed to give his life to Jesus, and I was like, this is so easy, you know? You just tell people this guy's alive, and then he changes them, and they get free. I was born again, so my life began again at that place, and the old me died. In God, I met my match, finally. (laughs) Man, it's been 17 years now, and I... I honestly couldn't even imagine my life without God now. I don't even know if I would've made it this long. I have married now, which is the, one of the hugest miracles for me. And then I have kids, I have three boys that are amazing. I can't say enough about Jesus and just how good of a friend he's been to me and how real he is. He's the same for everyone if we would let him do it. If we would lay it all down and let him have complete rule over us and control, he gives us such an amazing life. So that's my story. It's
0: really his story. <laughs> I love his statement. There's this guy named Jesus, and he's alive. <laughs> Val's got a great story. Where Jesus stepped into his here and, and took him to there. And now he's doing great things for the kingdom. Every one of us who are followers of Jesus have that same story, you know that. Where Jesus stepped in one way or another through someone in our life. He stepped in and he took us from here, from death, from a destiny in hell to here, to life, to a hope of eternity in heaven. That's available to everybody. Everybody who's here today, if that's, if you're still in that state of not knowing Christ, if you're if that's your here, if that's where you are, if that's your reality, maybe it is that today Jesus wanted to step in and meet you right where you are, just like he did with Val, and take him from here to there, to salvation, to receive Him as Christ, be baptized in Him, to rise up to a whole new life, a whole new reality, a whole new here. Man, we'd love to celebrate that with you today. Here in a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to make that decision. Also here in a moment, we we who are followers of Jesus, who believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, that he is alive, our resurrected Savior who died on the cross and three days later rose again, we're going to celebrate. Because I don't feel like we can effectively celebrate Easter and the resurrection without taking a moment remember and celebrate the cross and the sacrifice that put him in the tomb in the first place. That he died for us and that he died because of us, because of our sin. And so here in a moment, we're, we're going to take communion together. The band's going to come out and, and be playing a song. And, and there are tables right down front, one for each section. And uh, what works out best, what we encourage you to do is use the side aisles this group and that group come in and then rotate that way same way here down and back out to the outside and uh, our ushers will be down front to help with anything but um, this is a time of worship as we remember what Christ did for us on the cross that he paid the price and then he backed up everything that he said and everything that he did by rising again And so as we come and we take, we're going to take the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us on the cross. We're going to drink the juice that represents the blood of Christ that was was shed for us and that washes away our sin. And let's make this a moment of worship. Maybe you want to take it uh, as a family if you come forward. Maybe you want to uh, take it as an individual, however you want to do that. But come forward, take that here in just a second and celebrate that. If you are one who Jesus has met you here and he's speaking to your heart and kind of like Val, your heart is palpating and you're just, what's Jesus doing? What's God doing? And you want to talk about that and, and you want somebody to speak with. Uh, we're going to have ministers just down here in the front corners. And as everybody else is coming to take communion, you can just walk over and, and uh, grab one of them and, and they'll, they'd love to share with you. love to pray with you, love to help you move from here to there. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the day that we have today to come and worship you. This special day that we can come and, and remember the power, and the victory, and the resurrection. Jesus did not remain in that grave, but he rose again. So God, we thank you for this time that we can gather as your people and celebrate that truth Celebrate that fact and be reminded of just how significant that is. And so God, we, we just want to honor you and glorify you in this day. And God, in this moment especially, we want to reflect on and remember the price that was paid for us. That Jesus went to the cross, gave his very life for us, dying that excruciating death the death that we deserved. So God, in this moment, we just want to worship. We just want to remember. And we just want to take this in. And may you, God, continue to work in our hearts. God, continue to move each one of us from here to there. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.